when David called me and asked me if I would do a workshop, uh, we talked about various themes. So what I'm hearing is that some of you are doing workshops on history and books, much more, much more factual in a sense than what I'm doing. I didn't know after I had said, you know, I would talk about um, uh, how we develop our relationship with God as we understand or experience God and the stripping away the mystery of the mystical. Uh, and I sat down and I thought, I don't, I don't want to give, I, I'm not talking about this from a theoretical uh, standpoint. I'm talking about this and what I have learned. And I actually, I absolutely believe that what I have learned is authentic. So I'm really connecting it to my life experience. Uh, so I thank you very much, David, for when you said you asked speakers to keep in mind that we have now entered the world of the spirit and our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness, I was really excited. And I'll tell you why. Because strangely enough, those are two themes that drive my life these days. And it certainly wasn't always this way. And I love that word, the next. The next function, it implies that there has been a function. And of course there has. If we're talking about what comes in step 10, we're looking at the things we have done through drunkenness, getting sober, and the first nine steps. And now here I am moving out into a new experience of life. And my next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. And I can tell you, after even after having done step nine, nobody needed that more than I did. Because I had had two experiences. One, trying to squeeze my happiness out of third dimension living, despite the fact that I knew that that part of life is impermanent, that part of life you can't control. But yet that's what I was doing because I didn't know, didn't know better. And I've come to the second part of life, and I'm not saying I'm fixed, but what I'm saying is I have been transformed. And life as a result is extremely so much different. I love that big book because it feels to me as if it was absolutely divinely written. And uh, I could say lots more about that. But um, the one thing, the one comment I want to make is at some point I learned we have entered the world of the spirit. I've always been there. So have you. What has happened that is I now live there consciously. And that's the difference. And, you know, I agree with the book, we've entered the world of the spirit, but now I live there consciously. I'm reminded of the British High Command when they were getting ready for uh, an attack on in World War II. And one of the generals is reputed to have said, gentlemen, we need larger maps. And I think the spirit said to me when I got finished with step nine, Mildred, you need a larger map. So that's been part of what has happened. And I think if you examine the history of the race, you see how often people had treasures in their hands, didn't know they had treasures and threw them away. And 
I think it would be too bad in the world of the spirit to have the treasure of the experience of God and throw that one away because I hadn't nurtured it properly. So, you know, I looked through the big book again, and there's so many reminders. It says there, a new life has been given us, a design for living that works. I don't know what your experience is. I know what my experience was. I needed a new design for living that works. Another place it says a long period of reconstruction lies ahead. And I, I'm 47. I should have given you. I'm uh, my dry date is May the 18th, 1973. So I've been around a long time, but there's still a long period of reconstruction. Every day is a new day, the way it feels to me. And another place he says we feel a man is unthinking when he says sobriety is enough. How is it possible? to go from a way of life of drunkenness and debauchery and degradation to a beautiful life where you can say either God is everything or nothing. And I choose to believe that it is everything. So I think to explain, because really what I have come to see is that Bill wrote that piece about the mystical for a reason. Because it's a very, to me, it's a very big difference from reading a book from a third dimension perspective. How many times I was told the truth, I didn't get it. My soul didn't hear it. And as a result, I didn't change. Uh, how many times I looked at, at life and was so unhappy because I didn't understand what was going, really going on in life. So I'll take a few minutes to, to talk about my experience in that regard. I was born the youngest, the baby of 10 children. And I was a lot younger than everybody. So I was really raised as an only child. We were Roman Catholic and we went to church. I'm telling you this because I'm not going to go through a whole drunk a lot. But I'm telling you this because it set me in place. And if you think it, it doesn't, read step eight in the 12 and 12, where Bill says, we've had experiences buried below the level of consciousness. They have twisted us. And, and you know, he goes on to say, I didn't know that. See, what, my first recollection of being alive, I was looking at the stars. I was looking at the sky. My mother said she used to go out at night and she'd find me sitting on a sitting outside three years old, looking up at the sky. That's where I started with the immensity of all that and the magnificence of all that. And then very soon after that, I started to cry. Why? I don't have a horror story, but what I did have was a sister. One of those older brothers and sisters that they said was retarded. They kept her in grade three till she was 16 and she cried. She was 16, I was three and I cried with her. And it became my mission in life. She has got to be changed. And I had nine brothers and sisters. And if I asked them for milk, they gave me milk. I asked them to change my sister and they didn't do it. My understanding was, I guess they don't care about me. Nobody listens to me. And that's the truth that I lived with. And see, I think each of us 
has a particular journey. Each of us has uh, a way we need to grow to get to that place where we can experience that God is everything. That was my way. So I became one of those people who manipulated and tried to control and who sold my soul. And I couldn't understand. And I went to that God who made sunsets and the aurora borealis. And I loved it all. God, you got a fixed aura. I didn't understand. And when that didn't happen immediately, I became really confused. I've got nobody. And then I got somebody. I got something because my dad used to make home brew. And People weren't drunk all the time, but one night he had his friends over and they played cards. I'm five years old and I'm daddy's little girl and I pour the drinks and I poured some into myself. And Dr. Silkworth comes to life when he says, get the sense of ease and comfort. I was alcoholic from the word go. And that's what I chased for the next 35 years. I couldn't stop because I wouldn't stop because... If you don't, if I don't have alcohol, I don't feel good and I need to feel good. So uh, that's really describing the 35 years. What did I learn in that time? How did that change my life? Dramatically, at 17, I went to a convent. Now, if you've got problems with God the way I did, going to a convent really doesn't make sense. But you see, I think that if I have any kind of thing that I want to get across or to explain how I see the world, if that's what I'm really doing, going to a convent explains that. Because I, I do believe, you know what Emerson said? He said the dice of God are always loaded. And I believe that because the way life works, you live forward, but you understand backward. I didn't understand how this came about at the time. I'm, I'm an alcoholic. I'm a vicious alcoholic. And I decide to go to a convent. Why? Like when you look back, you begin to see the intricate hand of God, which means today I have very little fear because I know that that hand of God is always present. And I learned it. How did I get to a convent? Uh, I am. You know, I was known as the smart one. I was known as the talented one. And after high school, I couldn't get into university because I was too young. I hung around with two other girls and um, 10 boys. We drank and we partied and we danced and we sang and we did performances. And I loved all of it. And then I was the, I was the centerpiece of that. And one day, she's, one of the girls spoiled it. She announced she was going to be a nun. And so I couldn't lose my place. So I waited about three weeks, and then I announced, I'm going to be a nun. And they laughed at me. Some were angry. They said, you're stupid. You don't belong in a convent. And that was the push. I got to do this thing. And I showed them I did get to be a nun. A drunken one, for all, all told. I went to the convent. I was drunk the night I entered, and I stayed drunk while I was there. I don't say that as any kind of 
uh, you know, uh, ridiculous. It was the truth. I needed to drink. And I developed a, a way of looking at the world that made it okay. Stayed there 15 years, left the convent, and thought, change your clothes, change your name, get rid of the vows, and you're okay. I found the bars, I found the men, and I found a life of degradation. And within 11 months, I was in jail. And I met Dr. Hoffer. And if you know the history, you know who Abe was. Abe was a friend of Bill Wilson. And uh, he got to know me and he said, this girl doesn't have all these illnesses. She should go to AA. And I went to AA. And just to show you where my head was, all I heard was, I'm going to be transformed because my brother had gotten sober. I went three weeks. I didn't like it and I couldn't stand it. So I sat in AA five and a half years stoned. Bad time. You know what? I learned what kindness was. I learned what compassion was. I learned what the program really was about. Dr. Chamberlain befriended me. Cease Corrigal befriended me. Mac Cheater befriended me. Wesley Parrish from Florida. They became my go-to guys. And they were the big book that I saw and that I read. And to this day, I have never forgotten. Not a one of them. And... Uh, uh, through all these hospitalizations, I was locked up 32 times. I met a psychiatrist. We got married. Isn't that smart? And um, that didn't last very long. And the high life went down the tube, and I wound up on a park bench. That's the, that's the story. I drank everything I could get my hands on. I've had many a bottle of vanilla. I've drank many a bottle of Chanel number no. five. It goes down hard, but by God, you smell good. So May the 18th, um, I was picked off the park bench by the RCMP, and they took me into a psych ward. And um, uh, it was there the morning of the 20th that I had my God moment. Uh, they were going to dismiss me. And I had no home. I had no money. I had no friends. I'd been on a park bench living like a tramp for two months. And uh, so I did an assessment. What's wrong with me? I'm well-educated, well-educated. I'm competent. I'm all that. And here I am on a park bench and I have no friends and I have nothing. Made my decision. I'm going to take my life. Whatever is, there's anything on the other side. I don't care. It can't be worse than this. So the nurse went to get my coat and I had a spiritual experience like that. The compulsion was lifted. I had been drinking for 35 years. The compulsion was lifted and all of that. Now, you might think, well, <coughs> this is amazing. She's changed. What was done? You see, I think when we talk about mystical, when we talk about the spiritual awakening, when these things happen, they happen for a purpose. This didn't happen to make life easy for me because I believe that in the process of, of what we're talking about, the change has to come within, but I didn't know that. But what did happen? I was freed of the compulsion. I was freed of the obsession. I was freed of the desire to drink, and in 45, 48 years, I have never had it back. 
that has not been my obsession. What has been my obsession or my preoccupation is how to grow. How do you do this? How do you get to the place where you know that God is present as uh, you said, the uh, entered the world of the spirit? And how do we grow in understanding and effectiveness? You might think I knew a lot about God in that whole process. You know what I knew about that whole process was zilch. Because I had been taken to church and I heard about a church God. And I'm I'm not against that whole thing. It just didn't work for me. When I left the convent, I left the church. And so I've had times where I felt I was an atheist. I've had times I felt I was an agnostic. And now I have my own experience of that reality. So um, that first 21 years, was a dedication to the third dimension. You see, once I got sober, I again got a job. I became successful. I started buying houses. I became very rich. I built my own house. Like, what's that? What's that all about? Is that just chance? You know, I'm reminded of Emerson. The dice of God are loaded. I thought success on the outside would fix me. I thought that if you liked me, I would be okay. And what I found was, as the 21 years, I was a good member of AA because I got into AA. And this is where I've learned. What you perceive on the outside of me or anybody else may be quite different from what's going on inside. Because at 21 years, I was suicidal again. I thought that from my perspective, if I had this and that and money and so on, you would know that I was important and you would treat me the way I wanted, needed to be treated, and I'd be okay. And it didn't work that way. And uh, it was at that time that I started to learn about grace. And May the the 20th happened to me, 1973. I did not know about grace. I did not know what had happened to me. All I knew was that something had happened to me. And I knew that I didn't have to drink again. And uh, at 31 years, um, I had a sponsor. I was active in the program. I had a home group. And I had no relationship with God. My attitude always was, well, maybe I'll pray tomorrow. I didn't know what to pray to. You know, you can read that big book. And as I did, I had a sponsor and he was a good sponsor. But I believe that the kind of change I'm talking about, you know, when we say this, um, Our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. You know, the book lays out, we have a daily reprieve, dependent on our spiritual condition. And, you know, 
if you at that time had said to me, what does that mean? I could not have told you. I can tell you today uh, something, and he says in there that we have to use, use the intellect that God gave us and to use our will. Um, it just amazes me when I think about it, how this, this process works. And I don't think that I'm unique. I think every one of us has, if we really analyze how God has taken us through a series of things, 21 years, I'm suicidal. I've got, I've got the outside fixed. I've got money. I've got men. I've got stuff. I've got everything you can think of. And I'm a good member of AA, but I'm not okay. I go to meetings and people say, you know, I so glad to be here. I never feel alone anymore. And I felt more alone than I had ever felt. You see, I think when, when the general said, gentlemen, we need bigger maps, I certainly needed a bigger map. And to do that, I think the process of the stripping of the ego is absolutely essential. Look at what step three says. It says, see to it, you know, the problem is the root of the problem is the self. And it says it kills us. I didn't make that up. The book says it. The self will kill us. God makes that possible. And then there's that amazing statement that says, neither could we reduce our self-centeredness much by wishing or trying on our own. We had to have God's help. And how does God show up? See, and that to me is what I'm really talking about, because to live in the third dimension successfully is one thing. But to live in the third dimension and try to take fourth dimension principles and understand them with third dimension thinking doesn't work. I am the perfect example of that. So at 21 years, I was suicidal again. And... Um, what happened? Just like the way I got into the convent, a series of things happened. And you know, when I look out at the world today, I believe that that power of good is present and it's doing exactly what it has done in my life and what it has done in your life. It has made possible things, events, situations. What happened was I went to a meeting and somebody the speaker there was talking about how um, um, the childhood stuff he had taken in had really dampened his whole, and he went on and on, and I heard him. You know, it wasn't days. Somebody put a tape in my hands, somebody put a book in my hands, and I put in a phone call, and next thing I knew, I was on a flight to the States to find my teacher. And what did he do? He taught me about the subconscious. He taught me the stuff that I had buried. That's not what I'm here to talk about. But it's important. 
it. And some of us, it kills us. It was very much in the process of killing me. Nobody loves me. How are, how are you going to take the program? If you really have that going inside you, that belief system that nothing good ever happens and so on. And that's, you know, if you read the, the, the soul of the sponsorship with uh, that Bill and, and wrote about the um, Father Ed and the communication they had, Bill experienced that. His thing was, I've got to be number one. And if I'm not number one, I'm not okay. And he lived that. And I lived that truth that I had experienced. And the reality of what Alcoholics Anonymous really is couldn't come. It couldn't come into me. It couldn't heal me. I had to understand what I had to understand. And it's always been my experience that God has met me not where I should be, but where I am. And so what, where, what happened? I came home. Nothing had changed in Toronto. Nothing had changed with my friends. But I had a truth to live. And that's when I learned to meditate. You see, we have now entered the world of the spirit. You see, I had done those first nine steps. It was absolutely essential that I move along. I'm more excited about Alcoholics Anonymous now than I was in my first years. Look at what that book says. The day will come. I mean, if you, if you came into AA and, or, you know, let's do it this way. If you read that book to somebody and they didn't know you were talking, you were going to use that book with alcoholics, it would just sound ridiculous. The day will come when faced by a self-imposed crisis, you have to face either God is everything or nothing. That sounds pretty spiritual. But the beauty of the book, it's not written like a spiritual book. It's, it's written in a way that you can grab. I could that I could grab the spiritual truth when I could grab it. I didn't have to go to someplace where somebody told me how to think. I have learned as I have gone on. And one of the things I learned was, you've got to meditate, Mildred. Now, in the convent, we used to do six hours of spiritual activities every day. You would think that I would learn to meditate. Well, I sat quiet for a half hour in the morning, for a half hour at night. But if you're half in the bag, it kind of influences how that relationship with God gets developed. And so I didn't know how to meditate. I didn't know how to be still. I didn't know why I should be still. You see, so often... I do a lot of counseling retreats, etc. And, you know, people say, well, how do you build a relationship with God? I don't know any way but to practice. I remember, well, let me finish this piece first. Uh, I learned to meditate. I went to a, 
somebody who was doing uh, relaxation exercises. And from there, we went to meditation. And meditation has become the, the joy of my day. Sometimes, sometimes I really don't want to meditate. But the thing I've noticed is uh, people experience what I experienced then. Meditation is all about the fourth dimension, really. And uh, I knew nothing about the fourth dimension. I didn't know what it felt like. And when I started to meditate, I expected that I would have good feelings like I might have if I was in love with somebody or if I had just made a big deal. and made. I didn't know what it felt like. And I've often asked people this. If I had in my hand a, a check for a million dollars, and in the other hand, I had the ability to give you spiritual growth. It's a stupid way of looking, but just which do you want? And, you know, some people look very sheepish. Say, admit it, you want the million dollars. That's what I wanted. I wanted the million dollars, and then I I will smarten up, and I will do. I will give some away, and I will help the poor, and I will do all kinds of things. Isn't it interesting that Bill defined this disease as a spiritual malady? And that he said, when we straighten out spiritually, then we'll straighten out in every other way. And, you know, as I look at my life and how things have gone, that's exactly the right thing. The first part of being sober, I was fixing the physical and I was fixing the bank account and all that kind of thing. And it brought me to a place where I wanted to commit suicide. See, I look at this and I feel unbelievably grateful because 21 years sober got my feet on the on the new path understanding what was really wrong inside I started to meditate. I started to pay attention to the inside. I got a mentor who knew how to handle me, who showed me. I didn't understand the difference really between the third dimension and the fourth dimension. I knew it if you, if, if you talked to me about it, but it wasn't a real thing. And if the fourth dimension isn't real, that statement in the big book, see to it that your relationship with him is right, and great things will come to pass for you and countless others means nothing. I'm too busy. I'm too busy making money. I'm too busy doing my friend my my things. So the process. Well, I'm going to read you a note somebody wrote to me because for me, this was part of the way I felt. 
when I start, this person wrote me this message wanting an answer. When I started on a spiritual path in AA, I had a sense that spiritual transformation was possible. A radical realignment if I did the steps and then applied what I learned. I expected to be free of suffering and to get a sense of purpose. What's wrong with me? Sometimes I feel I have not changed at all. See, I had that feeling when I first started to say, I'm going to practice the presence of God. Didn't know what I was doing. I'd say, I'm going to practice the presence of God 10 times a day. And when nighttime came, maybe, maybe I thought of God once. And it wasn't to practice the presence. It was just I said I was going to practice the presence. And I didn't know what was going on. It takes work. It takes quiet. It takes silence. That's what it has taken. And it has taken the fact that life did not work out the way I thought it should. I don't know what I thought was going to happen to me. Now, I live alone. I had abortions. So, you know, our book says we've made decisions based on self, which put us in a place place to be hurt. It's not anybody's fault that I don't have children. My husband, we separated and then he died. My family's all out west. I don't say this as a complaint. I say this as, uh, I think that as we go into the, as I go into this this process of growing in God consciousness, life shows up. I don't know how your life shows up, but what has showed up in my life is, Mildred, you're alone. You live alone. Your families out there, and so on and so on. And I've had to learn to accept the way life is. And I can't tell you how often I think of Emerson. The dice of God are loaded. Because through this process, some amazing things have happened to me. Those walls that I put up, gone. The heart that was closed, gone. I remember when I came into AA, there was a man who I really admired. He seemed to love everybody. And I used to follow him. You know, Bill says in step 10, we come here and we love but a few. We're indifferent to the many and we hate the rest as long as they cause us. And you know, I looked at that and I said, that's me. I hate everybody and everybody deserves it. And I knew I was wrong. I'd follow him and I'd say, how do you do that? How do you do that? And he'd say, I don't know. I just love everybody. You know, I have found the answer for me. Page 55, where it says, deep within every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God. It doesn't say, if you like them, Mildred, it doesn't say, if you approve of what they do. You see, my life now, I understand so much of 
the difference between what happens third dimension reality, and that's important, but what happens fourth dimension? And to me, that's what the whole deal is about. That's what my drunkenness was about. That's what getting sober was about. And that's what learning to live sober and to live from that place, to grow in understanding and effectiveness. And to me, that's what our world needs. Like, it needs us to understand that deep within every man, woman, and child, we couldn't make wars if we knew that. We couldn't hate each other. We couldn't judge and criticize and all the rest of it. So um, that's where my life has gone. And I'm saying saying it to you because um, through that experience, I have grown in not an understanding. I don't understand God. I don't know if you know who Tom I is. Tom I, sober over 60 years, he's the first man in the United States to become an ex-penitentiary person to become a warden. He took me aside one day when I was newly sober and he knew that I wanted nothing to do with God. And he said, he told me a little of his story and he said, how did I become a warden? He said, there is a power of good. And that power of good has guided me through all the things that I have experienced to bring me to this point. And I think there has been a power of good that has guided me because, you know, I'm not going to say I understand God, but I experienced that power of good. I like what William James said. He said, put aside your concepts and your ideas and your definitions. Take a look. At your con- at your experience, and I remember May the eighth, the twentieth, nineteen seventy three. I'm on my way to commit suicide, and bang, in the deep silence, I was changed, and that has been the journey. So, I hope this may have been helpful to somebody. I will leave it at that.